What's up, everybody? This is Tanner from TanmanBaseballFan.com. I am driving, and yeah, I know, I just dropped a podcast episode last night, and uh, it seems like I do so very sporadically every one or two weeks, but uh, to be honest with you, that's just kind of how life has been going. Like, it's just been so crazy busy. I just have not had uh, time to myself, so to speak, to, uh, you know, just uh, talk, (laughs) to talk to you about baseball cards and, you know, all things related to the hobby. So, um, I wanted to, uh, bring up, a, a little bit of, uh, misery and relief, I guess, uh, that I've experienced. And I think that a lot of you all out there have probably experienced this at some point as well. Um, <laughs> I'll tell you what, if there's one thing that I just really can't stand, it's like a pet peeve of mine, but it is a necessary evil is when you're actually, when you find something amazing online and you think, wow, this could be like, this could land me on the like Antiques Roadshow or something, right? Uh, so what you do is you research the heck out of it and you, and you know, so it might be a, a certain price that you think is good and, and it's at auction. And so you say, okay, I'm going to go ahead and uh, bid on this guy. And I think this is amazing here. So I'm going to go ahead and and put a put a bid on it, and then only to find out that you're like immediately uh, bid up and or outbid. And so that happened to me a few days ago. I found uh, it was actually a pocket watch, and it was inscribed to Harry Wright of the 1871 Boston Red Stockings. And you know, I got like <laughs> I got all tingly feeling because I saw that. I go, oh man, I want to go on that, and like it went for. Like the the bidding was at like sixty eight bucks or something like that, and I said, guys, like I'm going to be able to go like way higher on this. Like I just I really want this. Well, <laughs> at the very end, I was outbid, and I remember just being like, man, why didn't I bid higher? Like, why didn't I bid higher? And so it was it was frustrating, and and you know I was really bummed out about it. But that's just kind of how it goes. So uh, I go. Um, you know, concurrently, I guess I was looking at, um, another auction house, uh, and guys like, here's a problem with auction houses for me, by the way, let me kind of lay out the groundwork for you on how they work. So they're a little different than eBay. So typically what happens at an auction house is if you have something for sale, or if you have something that you're looking to bid on, you, you put your bid in and then, uh, uh, you know, it can be bid up of course, like, like everything, but uh, whenever the bids take place, like typically a lot of times, like what I've seen is the bidding amount might increase, uh, on a certain percentage upwards and upwards and upwards. So for instance, if you're bidding on something that's like, let's say just as an example, $5,000, um, the next bid might be 5,500 or 5,800 or something. So with every single bid, uh, it's like, an exponential leap. So if you're at the very tippy top of your budget for something uh, like really special, all it takes is like one extra bid to just like price you out of the whole dang thing. So uh, another thing that uh, to think about is a lot of these auction houses, they'll ask for a 20% premium uh, on their items. I think that's pretty industry standard. So so in other words, if you're bidding on something and it gets to be $1,500 or 50, yeah, $1,500, you're actually going to end up paying $1,800 plus uh, shipping and plus 
tax if applicable. So, um, you know, that's something that I always seem to have a hard time uh, remembering. <laughs> Uh, it's always in the back of my head, but it's like when you see that number on the screen, it doesn't seem to really equate as, as much. So, uh, finally, the last thing, and I, I lost out on an auction um, because I was too late, is there are cutoff times for you to bid on things a lot of times. And at the close of the auction, um, if somebody keeps bidding you up, uh, the or if any items in, in the auction will uh, will be bid on. A lot of times, the entire auction will run until like the wee hours of the night. So, like, uh, is it wee hours of the night or wee hours of the morning? Which one is the uh, right term? I think it's wee hours in the morning. But like, so you could, you literally, if you're if you're looking at something really nice, uh, you literally could have a problem uh, because uh, problem sleeping <laughs> because. You might go to bed, say 11 or 12, and the auction might not end until like two or three in the morning. So you're gonna have a problem going to sleep going, man, did I win this? Did somebody bid me up? Like, what's going on? And uh, so you wake up, uh, if you got any sleep beforehand, um, to see if you're the winner or not. Talk about the start of a great or bad day, depending on if you won or not, right? Uh, so anyways, this uh, last thing, um, last night actually, I uh, went, pretty big on and I'll talk to you about it a little bit. It's uh, 1909 to 1913 M101-2 Sporting News. It was a collection of, it was like a near complete set which was really cool um, and it's got some some great guys in there. They're oversized so it's it's not like super exciting to a lot of the market out there um, but a lot of people really do uh, really do like them in spite of their sizing. So part of the reason why I really enjoy them is because of, uh, I really, I'm just not like a big fan of too terribly many oversized items out there, but this set ha is, you know, just beautiful sepia toned uh, pictures. There's uh, a couple of my favorites um, and there's Shoeless Joe Jackson. There's a, another really nice one of Honest Wagner and Ty Cobb, which by the way, y'all, if, if, if any of y'all out there have any of those two, those are the two main ones I wanted out of the whole set. So um, I'm actively looking if you guys uh, run into any, let me know. Um, but uh, there's a lot of great pictures. And, and so the M101-2 Sporting News, uh, they're, they're actually like closer to like an eight by 10 in size. And they were issued one a week from between like 1909, 1913. I guess they took off, maybe it was just during the seasons, um, I suppose, but um, because uh, there's about a hundred of them in the set, but uh, a lot of guys that you don't know uh, probably, but there's a lot of guys in there that that you probably have heard of. That I was also excited just to kind of get my hands on for a little bit, even though I was planning on probably uh, selling the vast majority of them. Um, so, like uh, some of the guys, for instance, um, were like uh, Connie Mack and Charles Comiskey. Which I really like, Connie Mack. Um, you know, definitely read more about him if you can. Same thing goes for Charles Comiskey. Like he was given a bad rap from the 1919 Black Sox scandal. There's actually a uh, kind of like a biography on him called "Turning the Black Sox White," which I highly recommend. It's really good. Um, it talks about how he really kind of helped form the American League along with uh, you know. He was just an instrumental part in it with Ben Johnson. 
Van Johnson, by the way, was also um, a, uh, you know, is also on the set, which is interesting. I think there's a few um, other Black Sox uh, players, I think, like Ed Cicotti, uh Ed Walsh. I think Ed Walsh was on that team also. Um, there's, you have the the uh, Cubs trio, Tinker, Evers, and Chance. Um, who else do you have? I'm trying to I'm trying to think off the top of my head. You have uh, you have a couple that are um, duels like the Wagner and Cobb. Like you've got a Cy Young with a guy I don't know who it is. Um, I don't remember. Then you also have Big Train uh, Walter Johnson with uh, somebody else. Again, I don't know who it was, but um, that's another one that I really like. Just a beautiful photograph um, of Walter Johnson. Um, and, and really a lot of these, um, quote unquote cards that feature two players, uh, you'll have, there's, it's almost like there's, uh, one being featured in the other one that's like conceding to them that this is their card. So like for the Walter Johnson or the Cy Young, you'll see like the other guy, like almost bending or leaning their way to put their hand on them or shake their hand or something. Um, and the, that's one thing I thought was kind of interesting also with the uh, with the Honest Wagner Ty Cobb is uh, Honest Wagner uh, was uh, is actually bending or leaning over to Cobb to shake his hand, uh, which I find kind of interesting. Um, it seems to match his personality just being uh, somebody that seems to have gone the extra mile. <laughs> it also seems like it matches Cobb's personality of not budging, <laughs> but uh, it's a neat picture. Um, probably my second favorite picture of Cobb um, and uh, maybe my second favorite of Wagner so definitely my first favorite of them together um, there's a Christy Matthewson there's also by the way a, uh, a Wagner and a Cobb by themselves as well I'm not really a fan of those because the design is a little different even though they're a little bit older they're dated 1909 I think um, but I'm, I'm not really a big fan of the Wagner and Cobb separately um, in the set. Uh, but there's also uh, Christy Mathewson. Again, I love Christy Mathewson. Just not really a big fan of his M101-2. Um, there's also Napoleon Lajouet. Um, again, I love Lajouet, but just not a fan of the M101-2 of his. Tris Speaker, same thing. Um, the uh, the version of the M101-2 set that I like is the one that has the Shield Show Jackson um, in it, as well as the Wagner-Cobb combo. Um, there's a few others. So, anyways, they're real nice. But um, I could go on and on about that set. It's People either love it or, or just completely uh, apathetic toward it just because it's, uh, it's not standard-sized baseball cards. Um, which I get, I completely understand. I'm not really a photograph collector myself, and they're not photographs, but um, you know. But anyways, they're neat for what they are, and I, I could definitely see me having a few and displaying some in my office. But uh, but yeah. So so anyways, um, I was alerted to um, a set or a near set that was being run at auction, and uh, it was it was a pretty decent uh, price, and so. What I do is I always do my due diligence, try to and be ultra conservative with, with uh, trying to see how much I could sell them for whenever time comes to sell. And uh, I thought, you know, I'm going to go ahead and go on this because I absolutely could 
uh, could buy them, make some money with some work in it, and uh, you know, just be the proud owner of them. And so, uh, you know, there's a lot of time that I put into doing research when it comes to picking up these lots that, uh, which by the way are my favorite. I love picking up lots where I can uh, sell a bunch of them, but love a few of them to keep them. Um, and so that, this, this run kind of was perfect for me, but, uh, unfortunately the price was not. So <laughs> over the next, uh, over the last few days, um, and it ended last night, uh, over the last few days, the price went from being decent to a little worse, to a lot worse, to, oh, what are you doing, Tanner? Why are you bidding on this to you lost? <laughs> and so um, it's kind of funny um, how it works out, but because uh, I remember just uh, thinking, like going through my head, uh, psychologically, like what was, what was going on in my head when I was thinking about bidding on these? So, uh, when I first started, uh, the, uh, X, X amount of, uh, dollars that it was at was seemed decent and doable, like just at the razor's edge though. And then it goes higher. And so psychologically I'm thinking, okay, well, there's another buyer out there that's shown that he's willing to pay, pay more than me on this. And surely there's others out there too, especially if I break it up. Um, so let me reevaluate the numbers. So I bust out my spreadsheet and do a little more research. And yeah, uh, then interestingly enough, like surprisingly, I find out how I can make more money with them. Like, okay, well, okay, this is doable. So I'm going to, I'm going to place another bid. And so I do that. And then I'm the winner for the majority of the last day until the evening and by the way like I said remember when it comes to bids in things like this uh, the price will jump exponentially uh, with each bid so we're talking like the next bid was like $800 higher and so when that swung up that way I go oh man there's no way I can do this and that makes sense and make it, you know, to be actually a good buy. And so then I'm like, well, I really want them. Let me, let me crack open Excel again and see what we could do. And, and so it's, it's kind of funny that, you know, I, my, uh, my ultra conservative pricing went way out the window, <laughs> um, at the last call. And I go, okay, I'm going to, I'm going to go one more time on this. I, I think if I am patient, if I list these properly enough, I'll be able to make my money back and, um, you know, and things will be fine, but it might be just at the edge. And I was saying this guys, like, you know, a couple days before when I made an offer that was significantly less. And, um, and by the way, you always have that, that, uh, that lurking phantom 20%. <laughs> so, uh, <laughs> It's something that cannot be understated because uh, I think everybody, I don't think everybody forgets, but it's definitely a, uh, something psychologically that you've got to remember. And because it's not there in front of your face, you just don't feel it until the final bill comes. And believe me guys, I always feel it whenever the final bill comes, whenever I'm bidding in an auction house like this. But, um, anyway, so, uh, so I was thinking, okay, at this point, 
at every bid, any any bid higher is a break. That's it. So did I break them with my latest bid, or did or are they going to break me? So uh, as it turns out, and, and the funny thing is, is at my last bid, I was at a point I I went from going, oh, I hope I get this, to, oh man, Tanner, that was pretty high on these. It's going to be a lot of work just to get the money back out of them. Maybe it wouldn't be such a bad thing if I was outbid. <laughs> and then so, uh, anyways, I get this email last night. You've been outbid, like, right at the end, I think, if I remember correctly. Like, it was, there's probably like a half hour left or something. And so, it's funny how there's like this mixture of, you know, kind of relief. Because I really bought into this uh, this job of, uh, you know, selling these. Like, splitting them up and and shipping them and that sort of thing all in the name of really kind of just wanting a few of them i mean i knew i was probably gonna hang on to the comiskey and the and the mac and uh maybe the ban johnson for a while and, and a few others like lajuay and and the other Cobb and wagner and all that stuff but they weren't the ones i really wanted. the ones i really wanted were the shield show jackson and the wagner Cobb. um and again like i said it's not something that everybody's going to be like super stoked about because they are bigger and they're awkward and they're hard to display and all that. I get it completely. I completely understand. They don't fit nicely in a box. Um, but you know, I'm starting to see, Hey, maybe these will look nice in my cubby and I can do a custom frame or something. I don't know. But anyway, so, so when it says you were outbid at that point, I knew that I was uh, that I was priced out of it. That there, I had no business bidding any higher because uh, I just I'd be losing money at that point. I, w- I would I would take those, and certainly it was like a collector's price. I would assume um, I could be wrong. I could be wrong. It could be a reseller. They could be making a killing off these afterwards. I just because of my lack of knowledge on them. But um, my assumption is that it's probably went to a collector that loves these sporting news supplements. And they are happy as a clam, but probably a little bummed that the price was high because I think I was the one that bumped them up like super high. <laughs> and uh, you know that's just kind of how it goes, though. I mean, it's that's all part of it. And, and the beauty of this is they're not one of ones, so they will pop up again. So I could definitely see the Jackson and the Cobb Wagner um, in my collection at some point. In fact, I think the actual. Um, Jackson uh, comes up like I think last year there are three of them that sold so they're not like the rarest things in the world and uh, you know, as far as Joe Jackson goes it's uh, you know decently priced which is understandable um, and part of the appeal frankly because uh, um, you know it's not like a, a $20,000 Cracker Jack of Cobb or a, you know $4,000 W514 or you know a twenty thirty thousand dollar e90 dash one I mean so so like it's uh, it's reasonably priced it's a nice photograph um, and yeah so so I'm, I'm kind of looking forward to it and the and the thing that that goes along with losing you know the agony of defeat right uh, is one thing that cannot be uh, overstated in my opinion is when you lose something uh, that's not a one of one or whatever uh, this is kind of my suggestion for all of you out there listening. Don't be upset. You know, don't lose heart. Be excited that you have something further to go on for your journey. 
because really, you know, to be honest with you, if, if you let yourself, a lot of the enjoyment and excitement in this hobby is the search. It's not necessarily the get. Now, I get it. I understand. I, I love the cards that I have. I enjoy the, the heck out of them. They're, you know, I love them tremendously, but there's nothing quite like the hunt and finding the right piece and making the deal and the anticipation of it coming in the mail and everything. All that stuff is super exciting. Um, so, you know, don't be so upset if you lose something because remember, there's all kinds of stuff out there. Like the world is, uh, is a treasure hunt for us uh, as collectors, as baseball card collectors, as, you know, really stamp collectors, coin collectors. The world is really a treasure hunt thanks to the internet because we can look endlessly for things and f always find something that's kind of interesting. So, um, yeah, so I mean, that's kind of, maybe this is part therapy for me for losing. <laughs> I can actually talk about this, but um, uh, in the end, I guess the aftermath, I'm, I'm sitting here driving Saturday morning um, thinking, am I happy that I lost these or, or what? And I actually am kind of feeling better about it right now because like I said, I wanted two out of the 96 for the most part that I was planning on keeping. That would have been a lot of work. So, um, and plus, you know, it wasn't a deal, you know, so I, I love getting a deal. And so hopefully I'll be able to do that as well. But, um, on these, because again, they're not like super rare. They, they do come up from time to time and, uh, you know, I just need to be patient. So, uh, anyways, that's all I have to, um, say for today. And like I said, I mean, gosh, I, recorded a podcast like probably oh, 12 hours ago or something, maybe 11 hours ago. Uh, so it's kind of uh, fun to be able to get back on here again with you and, and talk some baseball cards while uh, otherwise I would just be, you know, thinking about baseball cards while I'm driving to get these groceries here. <laughs> so anyway, um, thank you everybody for listening. And, and like I said last night on my other podcast, I hope you all have a fantastic Father's Day for you fathers out there. Um, for everyone else, be good to your dads. Um, let them uh, let them uh, watch the shows they want and uh, and eat plenty of cake and other bad stuff because calories don't count on Father's Day. <laughs> Thanks, guys. Have a great weekend.